At Behind the Seed Podcast, we explore the changing ways we feed the world. We talk tech, research and how it will affect paddocks near you. I'm Bridget Smith, a former rural journalist and your host. Uh, right now, the model's telling us that it's more likely to be drier than normal in the West and in the Far East along the Eastern Coast and Victoria. But through the center and the northern part of the country, odds are not quite as strong for a dry uh, a dry few months ahead. When it comes to farming, weather is critical to the success of the farm. How much rain, when it will rain, or whether it will be hot or cold are critical factors of the day-to-day life of a farmer. At the centre of all this information is the Bureau of Meteorology, an organisation which is now nearly 120 years old. With 1,800 staff and 50 field officers across Australia and Antarctica, including 6,000 voluntary rainfall observers, its analysis, forecasts and reports are comprehensive. Joel Lisenby is a climatologist with the Bureau and he's going to take us behind the scenes of what the Bureau does and how it can help you achieve the best on-farm results. Joel, what are farmers usually after when they come to the Bureau of Meteorology? Uh, Most farmers are usually after two things. One, they want to know what the weather has been like and they also want to know what the weather is going to be like. So it's a look back and then it's also a look forward. And depending on what time of the year it is and what the farmer is growing, they're looking at different timescales. Some really want to know what the weather this week is going to be like, and others are making longer-term decisions. They want to see the next month to three months ahead. I mean, I remember back in the day, farmers would often call the Bureau of Meteorology, but now obviously it's all become computerised. So all of that information is now available online, right? Uh, Yes. Most of our information is available online, uh, including a lot of our historical data, especially daily rainfall and daily temperature data. Um, If you're looking for things like uh, wind speed or uh, higher resolution data, like you want to know what what the temperature was at a specific time of the day, that's something you'll have to contact the Bureau for. But most other things are online. Joel, what are the three most important areas of the BOMS website uh, most important for farmers? I, I call it my big three. If you're looking for some good information for your farm, there are three websites that every farmer needs to know about. The first one is our Australian Water Landscape Model, or RL. And you can find this at bomb.gov.au slash water slash landscape. And this is the best information for looking backward. If you want to find out what your soil moisture was or what the rainfall was on any date uh, over the last few years, you can go to this website and you can put in the date and you can type in your location and it will tell you the information for your patch. Um, and if you need to look farther back than the information that is on the website, there is an email address on that website that you can contact the Bureau and we can get uh, some even farther back historical information for you. So that's number one. Number two is our MetEye tool. And we've hidden this conspicuously right in the middle of our front page. As soon as you go to bomb.gov.au, right in the middle, you'll find a tab that says MetEye. And this is a gridded weather forecast for everywhere in the country. And we've broken it down to five kilometer grids. So you can put in your location and it will give you a weather forecast for any latitude or longitude or town name anywhere in Australia, even if you're far away from any capital city. And it will give you the forecast for wind speed, rainfall, temperature, severe weather events, solar radiation, all of that for the next seven days. The third tool that every farmer should use is our seasonal climate outlook. 
an outlook is different from a forecast mostly because it is not it's not an exact forecast it won't give you exactly how much rain you can expect or how high, uh, high the temperature is going to get it's a probabilistic outlook it, it gives you an idea of what the most likely outcome is going to be and it will give it to you for the next one month two months and three months ahead so if you're making some strategic decisions about needing to order some fertilizer or something like that, and you wanted to know how likely is it that we're going to get a really wet month or a really dry month ahead, this is where you would go. And for that, you'd go to bomb.gov.au slash climate slash outlooks. You, you have talked about areas of Australia that are hard to predict with rainfall. Where are those areas and why are they so hard to predict? Oh, that's a really good question. So there are are probably two things that combine to make weather really hard to predict in some areas. Uh, the first and probably more obvious one is that to make really good predictions, you need a really good starting point. And so for that, we take weather observations, but there are large swathes of Australia that don't have really good observations. Most of these are in the central desert region, far away from any population center. And places here, we really are, are really, uh, I guess we're guessing at what the initial conditions are what they are and then we put that into the model and the forecasts there are, are a little harder to get. The other thing that makes forecasts really hard to make is just the predictability of the weather system. Even if we have a really dense observation network to know what the initial conditions are, there are some parts of Australia like the Channel Country in western Queensland where the weather is highly variable anyway, uh, especially during the summer months, it's either really, really dry, or if you get a tropical cyclone or an ex-tropical cyclone move across the region, it can get, be really, really wet. So as we look at the historical weather there, there's a, a very large, a high variability, and where you have high variability in your weather, it's less predictable, and therefore the models struggle a little bit more there. Not anything wrong with the models, but just that the predictability in the system in those locations, are, it's hard to pick. Sure. Well, I mean, this sort of leads into the next question of how accurate is the information that the Bureau um, can now generate through computers? Uh, so it, the accuracy of our information, it, um, it, it's, it's very high in the next, like today in the next few days. And the farther out you look, the less accurate it is. So when you're considering our seven-day weather forecast, uh, the more accurate forecasts are for the next three to four days ahead and farther out you you can expect things to change a little bit more but we've made a lot of progress over the last decade or two in our our daily weather forecast that today our seven-day forecasts are about as accurate as our three-day forecasts were 20 years ago likewise our three-day forecasts now are about as accurate as our one-day forecasts were 20 years ago so there's we're always making improvement and we're measuring very carefully how accurate our forecasts are when you're looking at our seasonal forecast, the next one to three months ahead, uh, it's the same sort of situation, but we measure our accuracy a little bit different because we're, we're giving you a probability or a likelihood that something is going to occur. And uh, in those cases, a really good model, if we were to say that there's an 80% chance that you'll be drier than normal, you would expect that to happen 80% of the time that we made that sort of forecast. And so it's a little bit, when you consider the statistics of that, it's a little bit harder to pin down. Uh, but we have evidence, we, we, keep, we keep track of how well our forecasts do, and we have evidence now that our, our seasonal climate outlooks that are made with computers are more accurate than a statistical analysis would have been. So 
when I'm talking about a statistical analysis, I'm talking a lot of, I guess I'm specifically referring to if you maybe are used to using the Southern Oscillation Index or the SOI to get an idea of what the season ahead is going to be like. Well, that would be a statistical correlation that whether you looked at some actual data or you just have this model built up in your mind of, you know, when the SOI is low, you're going to get uh, a wet year or or vice versa, that's a statistical correlation. And those have been really good in the past, but our computer power is getting to the point now that our our computer models are beating those statistical correlations. Uh, they're not perfect, but uh, we're always finding ways to improve. Behind the Seed podcast is proudly brought to you by Pacific Seeds, breeding, producing and supplying leading broadacre seed solutions. Farmers are known for having detailed historical weather observations. How accurate are they in determining future trends? Um, well, if they've been reliable of keeping the observation like uh, consistently and if they keep their weather sensors um, calibrated and up to date, which for a mercury and glass thermometer is pretty easy to do for uh, a manually read rain gauge, that's also pretty simple. So if, if the farmer has a a consistent and long record for their location that would be a good record to use to make a long-term trend from. Uh, there are times or, or places where maybe the record has some breaks in it and if there's if you're if you look at your record and it looks like Swiss cheese there's holes throughout it then that's not a very good record to use to make long-term uh, trend or to, to calculate a long-term trend with. So it really depends on how well, the farmer's done is keeping their own records. Uh, technology has obviously changed the way the bomb does its job over the years. Can you tell us about the new supercomputer and its capacity and ability? Uh, sure. Um, it, it doesn't seem that new anymore. In 2016, was uh, three years ago, was when we commissioned our new supercomputer. And at the time, it was the uh, strongest or fastest supercomputer in Australia. And this has allowed us to make more precise forecast. This has allowed us to, to, well, it's opened doors to tools like the MedEye tool that provides a forecast for every five kilometer grid space in Australia uh, for um, for every day for the next seven days. In fact, uh, we can use this to make even shorter term forecasts for the next few hours ahead. And over capital cities, our forecasters in-house have access to a one and a half kilometer grid. So we're able to calculate the weather basically over a, a one kilometer space over every city. It's pretty amazing. It's also given us the ability to uh, make these seasonal climate outlooks that go out three months in advance. Uh, these are things that uh, before, um, well, they're, they're things that we've been able to develop. We've the, This is not the first time the Bureau has had a supercomputer. It's just faster than the previous one. And um, the, before we had the supercomputing power that we currently have, we were still relying heavily on statistical climate correlations uh, because the compute, the supercomputer, it was uh, we we couldn't we couldn't calculate the weather on the scale that we're able to do it now. How much of what the bomb is doing is computer compared to the human element? For our our day-to-day weather forecasts. Well, well, first of all, all of our all of our forecasts begin with a computer. We put uh, we put gigabytes of data in. We crunch the numbers, and it spits out weather forecasts for the next seven days ahead. And then our outlooks are the next months ahead. Uh, our seven-day forecasts are checked by a human forecaster before they're published on the website. 
but our seasonal climate outlooks are not. So the information that we provide from on the seasonal scale, that is raw computer model output. And um, how does the computer versus human ratio compared to other international Bureau of Meteorologies? That's a great question. There, there are places like the UK Met Office who stopped using human forecasters a few years ago. Uh, all of the forecasts coming out of there are, are just computer-based. And um, they have evidence that they got slightly improved skill when they did this, but that's not because the human forecasters were bad at making forecasts. It's really because they were slow at making forecasts. The computer can spit out forecasts in near real time, but it takes a while for a human to look at it and consider all of the variables and make the adjustments needed. Um, so here in Australia, there's about a three-hour delay from when the computer model spits out the information to when it gets put on the website. And depending on where you are and what you're doing, that three hours may be critical. Um, so that, I mean, that, that's a decision the UK Met Office has made, and I'll, I think I shouldn't say much more about that. That's up to them to talk about. But here in Australia, we're still using human forecasters, and we're still seeing the value added by those human forecasters. What is the value added to having um, human forecasters? Uh, well, a lot of it is local knowledge. These forecasters are, uh, they, they know the terrain. Uh, they know where the mountains are and where they aren't. Um, but more than local knowledge, probably the, the biggest value add comes from knowing how the model has performed for certain locations in the past. So these are people who are looking at the model output every three hours, day in, day out is their job. Um, and Joel, lastly, what services does the BOM offer that would be helpful to farmers? Well, in addition to the services that we put online, which we're, we're always trying to improve our, our public offering there, um, we also have an agriculture team, which I'm part of within the Bureau. And what our job is as the agriculture team is to find ways to add value to Australian agriculture sector. In fact, we have a goal to add a $300 million worth of value to Australian agriculture over the next few years. Uh, this is not necessarily revenue to the Bureau. This is not a revenue target. This is looking at how we can help the, the agriculture sector improve and do better. And we think that by providing the right weather and climate information for some specific uh, specific farm businesses that we can help add that value. So we we provide essentially consulting services. If you think that there's weather information that can help your business that you can't get online, uh, give us a call and we can look at your specific needs, uh, what where the weather is causing you some problems and what weather information might help. And we can talk about a service that would be tailored to you and your business and, and add that value. Uh, so that's that's probably the best thing that we could do right now. I think just to summarize that over the last 120 years, the Bureau, we, we're very smart and I think we're very good at what we do, but we've been really good at making really cool stuff and then just throwing it out either on the website or on the radio and saying, there you go, uh, to do what you need with that. But we're finding that we get much, we, we can be much better about listening to our customers and listening to the people that need this weather information. And if they come to us and say, Look, I, I'll just get. I'll, I'll make up an example. Look, I I know that when I ship my chickens to the processing plant on a really hot day, I have a high mortality rate. Can you let me know 
when and when the temperature is going to be above a known threshold for my chickens along my shipping route. And we can say, well, yeah, we know, we have the data, we have the forecast. You give us your route and what temperatures are are of concern to you, and we can work out a service that will help you save money as you're shipping your chickens to the processing plant. So that's just an example of where the bureau can provide some very tailored services uh, for the for farmers. You're listening to Behind the Seed, a podcast brought to you by Pacific Seeds changing the way we feed the world.